Hey guys, thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Lethal Podcast. We've got another good one for you tonight as I was joined by the ranch fairy himself, Troy Fowler. Uh, Troy runs a YouTube channel where he posts the results of his hog hunting and the use of heavy arrows. Um, if you've never seen his stuff, he is quite the character, so I'm cracking up just uh, talking through this, and he's pretty much a bottled up bottle of energy all the time, so... Uh, you're in for quite a treat. Troy is, uh, he's now involved with the Ashby Bowhunting Foundation and he's been helping them, uh, on their research. And he talks a little bit about that in the episode. So be sure to listen all the way through and check that out. Um, if you like the content we're putting out, we'd love for you to give us a quick review over at iTunes and Facebook. That really does help us out a ton. We really appreciate it when you do that. Uh, as I've mentioned before, we do have some YouTube content coming, so go over there and subscribe to us and click on that notification bell so we have uh, uh, so when we start dropping new videos, you will know about it and you'll get notified. So head over there and do that. Um, Dallas Safari Club convention coming up. I think it's three weeks from today. Uh, so if you're going to be there, come check it out. We'll be in the Grizzly Stick booth hanging out and recording. We'd love to meet you. Uh, if you're if you're there, stop by and please say hi. And maybe we can uh, sit down and record for a little bit. Um, as always, thanks to our sponsor, Tricomb. Uh, it's literally the best skincare product you can buy, especially in these cold months. Uh, and if you buy it right now, you might still get it in time for Christmas. So go to their website uh, at trichomeco.com and use code LETHAL10 to get 10% off your order. That's T-R-I-C-O-M-B-E-C-O.com. Enjoy the episode. Um, so you, you've been, you've been hunting a lot the last couple of weeks, months. Uh, you've been out to Colorado and, or no, 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 no. Wyoming. Yep. I had a good year. Real good year. Yeah. We're, uh, and and now you're, uh, my goodness, you got that figured out? What's that? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It sounded like a box scraping across the floor. Well, I'm smoking a cigar. Oh, well, there you <laughs> go. I'm really smoking uh, really great. <laughs> um, and now you're uh, you're after, uh, you said you're after a pretty big buck right now, right? Yeah, I'm chasing a 10 point that is, for our place, it's 150 inch deer is a hell of a deer. Yeah. And uh, for Texas, it's not a hell of a deer. You know, well, that's not true. Yeah, it's, it's, I it's feel like that's a good size deer for Texas. Yeah. I, I, the biggest deer I've got on the wall is 154. And I killed that deer about 12 years ago. And I gave up deer hunting. I just stopped. And huh. I just started doing other stuff. I caught up about 1998. I caught a nine foot, six inch tiger shark in the beach. I had been shark fishing for 10 years and I quit. Just did like that was like that's uh, it. Is, I mean, I got yeah, a nine six, he's about three hundred and fifty pounds. I got to release him. I had to swim the shark around in the surf for twenty minutes before he died. Before he so he wouldn't die, and then he swam yeah. off. Yeah, and I was done. Then I started trout fishing. Huh? And so I saw this deer the other day with my nephew Tom. He's eight. I guide about twenty people here on the ranch all fall. I'm actually a pretty good outfitter, but I just don't get paid for it. And um, monetize that. Yeah, right. So, well, they're family. They don't pay very well. So, um, <laughs> but I love my little nephew and my sons have all killed good deer out here with me. And so yeah. we were sitting there. I'm looking for this. There's a coal buck in there that's got eight points. He's about 17 inches wide. He's got no brow tines. He's real thin, but it'd be the biggest thing Tom's ever shot. He's eight. Yeah. 
So I'm kind of wanting this one deer to come out and shoot him out of the herd, and Tom's happy. And a great, this great big 10 point walks out about 135 yards away, and it's just not a good spot for, I'd let Tom shoot him, but I'm on him now. Right. <laughs> so I'm back in the deer hunting game. I don't think I'll get him. He's pretty hard. With a bow and arrow, he's going to be difficult. Yeah. Smart, smart dude. How old do you think he is? He's five. I've got pictures of him. Okay. He's gotcha. five. He's about 19 inches wide. He's got 10 inch points. Man, that's, that sounds like a five, a, inch, a five inch G4, G3s. He's got good fronts. He's a big deer. Yeah, that sounds like a good deer, especially for, I mean, I know, I mean, I know Texas deer can get big, but, you know, coming, you know, living in here in Missouri and being bordered by Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, yeah, right. Illinois, no, like totally different deal. Yeah, we just, we're just surrounded by monsters. I, I know guys that are like, yeah, I saw a couple 160s, 170s today. I, I let them right, walk. That's just a food issue. That's like, uh, I don't yeah. have a lot of great big pigs here. Mm-hmm. The pigs on our property work pretty hard. Right. And if you kill a pig over 200 pounds, that's a very mature boar and it's right. big for my property. Mm-hmm. You go three, 200 miles north of here, we're in, in West Texas where they farm. Mm-hmm. And they don't even look at a 200 pounder. Huh. They're just like, whatever. Yeah, right. We saw 13 of those yesterday. Huh. And they, because they have food, that's what the right. Midwest guys have on the deer. Yep. Yeah. And that's food and it helps. I'm sorry. Yeah. And that's stress. even the, the, oh yeah. yeah. And stress is another huge thing, especially for antler size is, right. and that's even a big difference in like central Missouri, like where my farm is at down the Ozarks, uh, yeah. you know, very, uh, hilly. Now I wouldn't say mountainous, but it's very hilly and yep. those deer eat acorns. You know, it, it's not a, uh, it's not a very <laughs> fertile area for crops. Yep. Uh, um, but if you go to Northern Missouri, then, I mean, these deer turn into absolute slobs because they, yeah, they've got food everywhere. So you see in tech, if you see somebody kill a deer over 170 in Texas, there's about 13 counties in South Texas where that happens naturally. The food is, it's just right where they're at. That's that's that spot, the golden triangle down South of San Antonio. And then most of it's fenced. Huh? Yeah, I remember. Fenced. I've got a picture on my phone. We darted this. A friend of mine has a farm. Has a whole. Has the whole thing. Right. He's got the fences and the deer and the bucks and the does. And we used to. I used to go with him and we would dart the bucks and draw them. And he would sell about half the semen we drew, and then we would use the semen in the does, and mm-hmm. we would artificially inseminate the does right there. Wow. And I've got my I got my hands on a three year old that scores two forty. Holy Lord. He's a picket fence fourteen point with fourteen inch times. My goodness. And he's on a table with a I'm the respiratory therapist, so I'm the oxygen don't let them die guy when right. they're guarded. Right. right. Monitoring heart rate. We got machines on them. I got oxygen going. He's got a blindfold and I got a picture and I sent it to one of my friends and said, I got a buck. And it's in a building. <laughs> Like it's in somebody's, it looks like a kitchen. <laughs> and we just awesome. drawn the poor thing down. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. So, uh, we are hanging out tonight with, uh, Troy Fowler, <laughs> AKA the ranch fairy. He's on uh, YouTube and social media. Uh, uh, Troy has been uh, uh, a buddy of ours. We've been chatting with for a while and we are certainly in the same camp together of, uh, shooting as I think 
I'm not saying that Troy said it first, but I think Troy said it first. Uh, adult size arrows was that? Uh, I said it first. Yeah, I, I, I thought you did. We There's say no it. Way. We say it a lot, and I'm I'm 99 yeah. sure I've given you credit like every single time. Thank but, you. It's uh, okay. You don't uh, have to give me credit, but I guarantee well, you, I'm man, the first one to ever say yeah, it. It's I'm, I I thought I thought it was you. Uh, I remember a long time ago. Adult when, when, arrows. That's right. Uh, be, uh, <laughs> that just, has been a very popular thing. That's you know, right. I mean, I, my when I interact with people on social media, stuff like, dude, I'm ready for adult arrows. I'm like, I'm laughing, thinking. That is awesome. Yeah. It just took off. How long ago did you say that? You had to say that four years ago, probably three or four years ago. Uh, Yeah. When I started. Yeah. I mean, when I started, I was, I, I, I I was blessed to be trained to fish by a guy named Billy Sandifer. He is dead now, but he was one of those people who was a complete outlier, completely wacky. And he would say things like that. And he one time said to me 15 years ago, Hey Troy, you need to get down here. I saw some jacks, and they're going to take adult fishing gear. Mm. He meant big jackfish running yeah, surf, right? And right. I just stole that from him and said, "Well, you need to start shooting adult arrows." So <laughs> I have a chart too. So for everybody listening, I need to. You need to get you know, like the pig man has like the pinch and all that. You got to have his own. He's got his own terminology. Sure. So sure. do I. <laughs> so before we get going here. So y'all don't get lost. Let's hang on. So the chart is this. It's like a shotgun chart on the back of a box of shells. I'm, ta- I'm, taking, load- I'm taking notes so I can keep okay. up. That's right. Keep up. A skeet load is below 450 grains. All right. I don't give a damn what broadheads on the front. A flapper is a mechanical broadhead. So if I say flapper, just stay there like a toilet flapper. <laughs> so 450 to 550 grains is a uh, heavy dove load. And heavy at dove, that point, you okay. stop wounding stuff to death. Yep. And then a, from 550 to 650 is actually adult. And 650 plus is a magnum. Okay. All right. All right. I can get on board with that. I don't do okay. uh, I don't do a ton of uh, like up on game or uh, dove hunting or anything like that. But I can uh, I, I, I can pick up what you're putting down there. That's right. So you can smell what I'm stepping in. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, Troy, you are you are obviously uh, quite the personality. Anyone who has uh, checked you out on your YouTube channel uh, uh, can probably figure that out in about five seconds. Uh, so what's the what's the origin story of uh, of Troy Fowler? Kind of how you how you may have came into. I, I know you've you've explained how you became like the ranch fairy, but like what, uh, you know, did you, did you start hunting as a, as a young man? Is it something you got into when you were older? Is it a family thing or how did all that come about? I came out of a womb with a freaking gun in my hand. I think that's incredible. I love it. I actually came out of a womb with a fishing rod in my hand and my first addiction was, um, fishing. Yeah. And I got super addicted to fishing in the surf in Texas, which is a absolutely worst absolute conditions for a grow for a human being to function under because it's a, the ecosystem is horrible on people and right. the equipment. Right. And I fell in love with the whole damn thing. And I'd always shot a bow and I had a BB gun from the time I could, you know, came out of diapers. Right. Killed every bird in the neighborhood. And, you know, bounce babies off cats and just all the evil things you do when you're eight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's the only thing I was either going to I'm one of those ADHD kids. And so 
in school, I did fine, but I was always wondering why we did we did fractions yesterday. Right. <laughs> I literally thought that. Yeah. Why but, are we doing fractions today? We did that already. <laughs> I bet the teachers loved else. you. I bet they loved you right. so much. Yeah. Right. It's absolutely, you know, I'm still that way. I'm not real good in the boardroom at work. I do pretty good as a corporate person, but I'm pointing at the elephant and people panic. They say, shut up, Fowler, stop pointing at that. Yeah. yeah. So getting back to what I was, I just have always done this. And it won't go away. I can't explain it. If I had my druthers, if I hadn't had children, I'd probably be an upland bird hunter yeah. and fish. Yeah. I'd probably fish worldwide. But my boys got me back into hunting. And then the test lab here, my wife's family owns this place. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why I started the channel is because of failure. Huh. Go into, go in, go into that. Failing. Go into that. Oh, yeah. We're going there. So, to everybody listening, I have outfailed you killing things more than you've ever failed. There's no one that's failed more than me. Feral hogs are one of the hardest things on the freaking North America to kill with a bow and arrow. Yeah. Pigman says it all the time. He's right. They have very small, very heavily protected physiology. They never stop moving. So your shot placement's erratic at best. Sure. Yeah. You can talk all the trash you want to. You just come down here with your fancy ass sights and your damn back bars and all your bullshit and <laughs> we'll try to have you hit one square. Yeah. They are crazily moving around. And I fell in love. So I killed a good deer. I killed a good deer with a friend 10 years ago. Scored 155, netted in the 140s. I put him in the book. That's the last year I'm ever yeah. going to do that for. Nets are for fishes, right? Quit. I quit deer hunting. Okay. I quit. I was like, I'm done. I don't need a 180. I don't know why. I'm Just call me weird. Sure. But I fell in love with big pigs. And there is a, despite the deer feeders you'll see on the channel, and I'll explain that here in a minute. Sure. There's a system to get the big ones in front of you. Okay. You can't just... You can't drink three beers, go out there, drive the scooter up, start yelling, and get in the sand, and they walk up. They're not that dumb. Right, right. I got cameras up. I started hunting a certain pig, and it maybe take me 15 or 20 hunts to see him, not shoot him. Hmm. So then I fell in love with these guys because the big ones are sporty. They are so smart. Yeah. And when you finally get one in front of you, he believes he's right. He's 100% convinced he is not dying today. So at some level on the human perspective, it's freaking awesome every time once he gets in front of me because I say, I got your ass. You believe you're fine. Right. And I'm sitting here 16 yards away. After 15 hunts, mosquitoes, the wind was screwed up, cold, hot, you name it, right? Yeah. And I was 30% kill effectiveness at one time 30 percent so imagine hunting a big poking young deer and you hunt him all season you get your one shot and you bonk him yeah okay? disheartening to say the least it's disheartening to say the least well that was happening on a regular basis with me with pigs hmm. it wasn't for lack of broadheads i shot everything right it wasn't for lack of trying equipment. And when I finally made the change, 
I started killing their ass. And I said, people got to hear about this. Because if you can kill them consistently, a deer's a damn cream puff. Sure. Yeah. And you can hit a deer kind of weird and still kill him. Yeah. But the pigs don't allow, they don't allow for that. If you, if you were to shoot, uh, I'm trying to think of, I mean, uh, all deer uh, are for the most part until you start getting into like, I I guess I would venture to say I've never hunted up there, but like Alberta and, you know, North, like Minnesota, then the, yeah, like big deer, thick, heavy skin deer. Uh, what would you compare that to as far as like penetration, like comparison to a hog? Would that be like a hundred pound hog, 120, 70 a 70, so a 70 pound hog is roughly the same, like density ish as, yeah, as a, as a, as a big mature deal is, deer. <laughs> except for the M and M factor. So their hair is covered in mud most of the time. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's a good point. They, they eat broadheads. Oh, yeah. In fact, yeah. I'm oh, pretty sure. Convinced. Yeah. I can't prove this. Dr. Ashby and I have talked about this a million times. We wish we could get the ones we lost because then you would know what to do. With, uh, the with, ones you kill don't tell you as much as the ones you've lost. Oh, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I, I know I've seen a, uh, I've seen an, um, uh, What's, it wasn't a meme, but it was like a graphic, and it was talking about uh, the plane, the planes that uh, that they got back in World War World War One and World War Two, and how they were like, oh, like here's where they were shot the most. This is where we need to like up armor the bottom of these yep. planes. That's and, and then they started thinking of it backwards. They're like, oh, these are the ones that survived. We need to armor the places that it didn't hit because those are all the planes that didn't make it. So uh, I'll tell you about armor. So pigs are generally covered in mud at some level. Okay. Okay. People tell me they've got pretty sensitive skin, actually, and they've covered in mud to protect them from the sun and stuff. Oh, I don't okay. know about that. I don't know about that. I don't know whether that's true or not. I'm not a pig farmer. We'll get a her, uh, uh, hog dermatologist on the on Yeah, the phone. exactly. Somebody <laughs> transgender dermatologist for hogs. <laughs> so I... um. I'm pretty convinced that a lot of the pigs I lost are dead. And I'm secondarily very convinced that the broadheads were damaged beyond functionality in the first five inches of penetration. Because there's a lot of big ones I shot where I had half an arrow in them. Right. So... I've measured this because I'm a nerd and people don't do this stuff. I recommend you do this. Measure the thoracic wall, do a full autopsy, find out what your broadhead actually hit. Don't just say, well, I must have popped his lungs, he's dead, and get your 17 Bud Lights and celebrate. Go look inside and figure out what the hell killed your deer so that the next time you shoot one there, you know what to do, vice versa. You know, it's 50 yards or is it 300 and you need to leave them for three hours. Right, right. So I do a lot of that, right? So when you get, I shoot a 28-inch arrow. So when I get half an arrow of penetration, I haven't shot a pig yet that I didn't get all the way across the thoracic wall, which means if I put the arrow in the right place, I got two lungs. Right. Okay? Now, I've shot some in the middle and, okay, we'll allow for that. Bad hits. Sure, sure. Blah. 
So let's say I put one in the vital V at 16 yards and got half an arrow of penetration, and I get nothing. No blood, a few tracks, and gone. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. I did that a lot. There's not a lot of people that admit that, but I don't right. care because I'm trying to help you. And I did that a ton. Like I said, we're talking 30 or 40%. I one time on the big ones. I can shoot the stupid 100-pounders with a mechanical flapper and wing them and wound them to death. Gotcha. So if you shot a few pigs and you don't have a scale, you need to get a scale. And if they're below <laughs> about 125 pounds and you shot them with a mechanical, we're not talking about that animal. Right. We're talking about the big ones. So what happened to me is I said, hmm, I have nowhere else to go. I like hunting these things. There's no laws. I can hunt them year round in the dark, whatever. It's kind of fun to hunt them in the dark. It's fun to stalk them in the dark. That is right. outstanding. And I'm not killing them very much, very, as much as I think I should be. So I became puzzled with it, and I like a puzzle. Okay? And right. I like to solve puzzles. I tried every broadhead on earth. I wounded a couple to death with, with the rage, but then they started to fail me. Mostly, sure. that was, mostly they were a lack of penetration. I right. shot muzzles. I shot thunderheads. I sh- it wasn't for like wasp, whatever. Doesn't matter. So in my opinion, a four blade's a four blade and a three blade's a three blade. Okay. Okay. And I kept losing. And I kept, I got kind of pissed off. I was like, come on. I'm shooting at a deer feeder at a known distance. There's no magic to this. So the only thing I had to do was go at 100% Ashby. That was the only counterculture thing I found anywhere on the planet. Did you find it online? I did. Okay. I found it on the Tough Head site. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Jason's Tough Head is a fantastic broadhead, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. I am demonetized, and I get no money from anyone. But Jason's tough head is a spectacular piece of steel. Yep, I've got uh, I've got four packs of the new uh, two thirty five <laughs> prototypes he's got yep. for uh, yep. for next year, and uh, I am very impressed with them. They're very good. So what I did was I said, okay, I'm sick and tired of what I'm doing isn't working. So if you've shot, you, you're, you're going to say, well, this, is, this, this idiot just shoots pigs. Okay. If you've bounced your broadheads off of a deer, you've had a shoulder bonk, or things didn't go right, and you're, and you're not as consistent, you don't have to tell us how low your, your success rate is. Just think about what's happening to you. Right. If every shot you make, audience, if every shot you make kills your deer in 50 yards, then I'm, the, I'm not your guy. Okay? Turn mm-hmm. me off right now. I don't care. I don't care. Don't watch my channel. Don't listen to anything I have to say. If you're having a normal human experience, <laughs> <laughs> let's continue. I had no other information other than 
the industry was telling me that I was doing everything right and I was not recovering things. Right. Yeah. And then I read Dr. Ashby's study and I said, fine. I got nothing else. I mean, what the hell I got to lose? It's not yeah. working right now. Yeah. You're losing everything you hit right then. Yeah, absolutely. It's not working. So I put together, I said, fine, I'm going to go. I, I've shot a stick bow for years. So I got my 54 pound long bow. I bear shaft tuned it. Just like he said, I put the AA Fletch. I put a Grizzly 190 on the front and the arrow weighed 670 grains. And I thought I was a madman. Like just, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I went from like 410 to 670 and a stick bow. I could outrun the arrow. Oh yeah. That. I guarantee you it wasn't going 140. Yeah, probably not. So I go strolling around the test lab on foot and I amble up on the biggest pig I've ever killed to date. And for those of you out there, I have a scale. So do not spitball your pigs, put them on a scale because they don't weigh what you think they weigh. (laughs) Anyway, I amble up on this pig and pigs can't bend in the middle like a deer or have, they don't have a neck. They rotate like a barrel. Yeah. It's all connected. So he's broadside at about 17 yards. I mean, of course, brown, you know, button shirt and a pair of gray pants because I don't wear camouflage. And he sees me and looks, just turns to look at me. So he rotates. And I, he's a, he's pretty all much almost straight on. And I said, if this stuff works, I'm shooting him. And I pull back all 54 pounds going about 140 feet per second. And I shoot through four feet of pig. This is a new experience for me. Yeah, I bet. The fletchings, I hit him right in the shoulder, quartering in. The fletchings disappear into his body with a just a very quiet chut sound. Mm-hmm. When I found him, the broadhead had exited his ham. He's four four and a half feet long. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. I was standing there. He falls down. The arrow hits him. It makes no sound. He drops on his ass and starts spinning. I thought I broke his pelvis. He gets up. You probably did. Or you got real close. So he gets up. I don't even pull an arrow out of the quiver. I'm standing there with my mouth hanging open saying, how did that happen? I've shot a freaking pile of these damn things it's usually you know 14 inches of penetration they run and it's a long night right right yeah a lot of tracking so he runs by me about three yards i could have kicked him he was just going where i happened to be he wasn't he had a look on his face i'll never forget he had a look on his face like he was you know like what the hell like he didn't look mad runs off into bushes Right. So I'm thinking that hit didn't look too good. Probably one lung, center mass liver, gut shot. I'm leaving him for four hours. We find him in 20 minutes and he gets up. Then my friend says, holy smokes, that's a big animal. I said, yeah, he's big. And we back out. We gave him another two and we found him. He went 180 yards. Okay. And Given the shot angle and all that stuff, he wasn't hit. He was one lunged. He was center yeah, mass liver. Yes, yes, when I gutted him, 
it was I did the right thing. I backed out knowing what yeah. I did. Yeah. But I got four feet of penetration with a 54-pound longbow. Yeah, that's awesome. Correct. And I said, I'm done. I'm not going back. Yeah. That's ridiculous. If I get a compound, theoretically, speed's going to help, despite the fact that in mathematics, the resistance doubles every time the speed doubles quadruples let's just not talk about that too much <laughs> it's gonna help my trajectory and all that stuff and i oh, never yeah. look back yeah i haven't gone below i haven't gone below 575 in five years now i'm shooting okay. 760 at 28 percent right now and that's on uh on pamela on pamela my my shooting an expedition excursion six and from what they tell me, it's a fast bow. I don't read all that crap, and I don't have a chronograph. I don't care. Right. The arrow doesn't know what's propelling it. Yeah, that's so, what I, I I just saw uh, something posted on a, a traditional bow hunting group I'm in the other day. It was like you know top ten best traditional broadheads, and, and I posed you know people were having these discussions back and forth, yipping and yapping, and I posed the question. I said, "Do you think that a broadhead cares what?" bow it shot from to make it better or worse that's correct they and no one no one answered <laughs> i was really hoping somebody would think about that maybe these people did think about it but no one uh no one replied <laughs> that was sad that's yeah yeah yeah. that's pretty common so people want to people well so on another angle of the ranch fairy test lab i am fortunate i am a curious person i happen to run a ranch in texas we are covered up in pigs and I just leveraged the pigs to put myself in hunting situations at white-tailed distances so I can test things. Right. I have jackasses all the time say, man, that's not much of a hunting show. Correct. <laughs> what the hell? It's, How did you miss the fact it's that the I test am lab. testing things? Yeah, it's the test lab. It's not the Knucklehead. Lab. <laughs> yeah, right. If you want a hunting show... Hunting public, go ah, do those guys. They do a great hunting show. Yeah, not my deal. Yeah, I don't. So, uh, not not too many. Uh, I mean, I almost feel. God forbid, I actually say this online, but I, I almost feel that the time of the. Well, I say that, and then I mean, there's so many corporate interests and corporate sponsorships that we'll talk about here in a second that I'm I'm probably way off base. But I, I feel like I feel like the content that is put online is immensely better than the content that's put on TV. I think the guys oh, I agree that have with these you 100%. We just these guys that how, how to run those guys off. Yeah, yeah. These guys that have these like YouTube series, uh, uh, you know, like the hunting public. Like I, w- I will watch them a hundred times before I. Well, I don't have cable anymore, but when I did have cable and you know I had the outdoor network or whatever, I'd flip it on. There was I could literally watch like the um, Jim Shockey's show, and that's only because it was like half like a travel. Like Shockey's the only guy worth watching. Yeah, yeah. Jim's a Jim's a great guy. Uh, Jim's um, message is fantastic. If yeah. we don't spend money to save the animals, they are going to disappear. Yep, yep. I talked to him at ATA two years ago about that. I'm going to talk to him again about it this year yeah. when I'm there. And yeah. I said, hey, Jim, you know, I appreciate your message because you're 100% accurate. 
Yep. If we don't yeah. save the the Ibex in Kyrgyzstan, they will cease to freaking exist. Russian grizzlies, stone sheep in Russia. Yeah. Man, Russia is about to about to be Correct. the new the new Africa here pretty soon. Correct. I, they just have, opened it up because yep. of Ashley's study. Yep, yep. We're gonna uh, we're gonna be talking about that a lot down at DSC. I know you won't be there. We're gonna touch on that, but uh, uh, I cannot wait to pick Rob's brain on on everything that happened there. Uh, but so speaking of YouTube uh, and and all these you know these hunting shows and stuff that are on there, uh, your channel has been up for at least three or four years now i feel three like year, three and a half or something like that i think i started in late 2016 started mm-hmm. i started as a product reviewer and it's not my deal right right well you know, uh, i just it's so boring to me <laughs> yeah yeah no i i don't blame you uh it's not me but, it's just who i am you know sure, there's people yeah, who are good yeah. at it. Yeah, oh, there, there, there certainly are. There are those who are more entertaining than others. Uh, but one of the one of the biggest things I like about uh, your channel, and, and it's something that that we share, uh, being us at Lethal Podcasts, and and you over there, and uh, some other mutual friends we have that we'll, that we'll chat about, uh, is you, you intentionally don't take sponsorships or monetization, uh, which I, which I think uh, you know creates a lot more credibility in what you're trying to say because you don't get paid by Magnus or Bishop or, uh, you know, Black Eagle or Excursion or whoever to be toting their gear, but you still... And I've, I've actually stopped asking for stuff. So, right. the, since I've never really talked about this, but I have an incredible relationship with Mike Psalm and Magnus, and he is a very good man. I mean, that dude is awesome. As yeah. a human being, he's right. just a good dude, and that guy makes one of the best high, what I call high production broadheads on the planet. Yeah, you did. If you shoot a Magnus Stinger buzz cut or the Hornet, there isn't anything else. Like, there's no magic next thing in a modular high production offered everywhere. Yeah. Broadhead. Yeah, that's one of the one of the most common questions we get is, you know, hey, like I got a Cabela's gift card, I got a Bass Pro gift card, uh, for for my birthday, for Christmas, whatever. Yep. Like, what yep. you know, what what should I buy? And our recommendation is almost always either Mag- Magnus or or QAD, like one of the two. And uh, uh, and yeah, they for for a big box store head, I think they're very very difficult. That's correct. He's got the best big box store brand. It's just that that style of broadhead's not going to fail you. And I'm here to say very loudly, the Hornet is the most destructive high production head I've ever shot. And that's the that's the shorter one, right? The shorter black one. I hated that thing when he sent it to me. Mike sends me whatever I want, okay? And I don't get very many broadheads from him because I don't have time to shoot them. <laughs> I got a crap I got probably 200 broadheads to play with right now. So, um, I hated that thing. It's too short. It's too blunt. The bleeder blades are kind of dumb. But that thing is horrible on animals. Mm. It is absolutely destructive. It kills the crap out what of What do you things. think makes it so different? I don't know. I don't know. I've got them in my box all the time. And when people show up with their stupid freaking Walmart broadheads, 
I put the hornet right. on. Right. And it just keeps killing everything. Now, I'm a fan of the serrazor and the buzz cut because that serration thing, which is not a serration at all, but people use that because everybody's an elementary school individual and can't freaking get a grip. It's actually an interruption in the blade. The blade in between is right. flat, just like a normal right. flat blade. And what that little interruption does, it's sharp in the middle of it. And when it gets into pulmonary tissue and hearts and arteries, it wreaks freaking hmm. havoc. And it shouldn't do what it does. It's too, theoretically, by mechanical engineering, it's too short. It's too blunt. The bleeder blades are too flat. However, I keep picking them up off the ground after they've been through a pretty big pig and the pig is dead 40 yards away. Hmm. So I'm not going to complain. Right, right. They're hor- they're awesome. You put those things on a 600 grand arrow. Woo! Dunzo. It's a meat axe. I'm pretty oh. sure uh, um, my buddy Evan, uh, I don't know if you're friends with Evan or not, but uh, Evan Tice uh, shot a yep. 230-ish inch deer in southern Kansas. Yeah, he's he's pretty close to Mike down there. And I'm 99% sure he shot it with a black hornet. Like 99% sure. And uh, he was it like... It's pretty and, good on bone. It's not a single bevel, but... Right, yeah. For an average guy plunking a damn deer... Yeah. Run your arrows over 550, load to front, put a 150 grains of insert in there, run that 125 grain hornet in the front of that thing. Yeah. For a deer hunter... Oh, that thing is badass! Oh yeah, oh yeah. For for whitetail, that that's a uh, that's a, a devastating. We head. had great luck on pigs. I got a buddy who's just addicted to those damn things, and he can't leave one in in a pig. They just keep he keeps shooting through them with it. He's like, I'm not changing. I'm like, all right, whatever, you know, huh. okay. So, yep. so with you with you being unsponsored, you know, obviously it, it creates. <laughs> you know, cost for you, but that just kind of comes with the territory of, of wanting yep. to, of wanting to test stuff. And, uh, quite frankly, being addicted to bow hunting can, can end up being costly. Uh, do yep. you, do you find that, uh, do you find that people trust your opinion more because you're choosing to be, uh, as, as unbiased as possible? I think so. I, I've had a lot of people say, Hey man, it's really cool that you're not you know, in the game, God forbid somebody offers me a TV show because that'd be that's the ultimate dream, right? But we'll see how that flies if somebody were to ever say, hey, we're going to try to make you something other than what you are. It'll be awesome. I'll give it a rip. Right, right. But um, I've not been given that opportunity. I have, you know, I don't get, I don't pay for uh, most of the broadheads people send me. I've got four or five broadhead companies that are I'm pretty close to and they'll, you know, I don't have time to shoot them all. Right. So it's like, I need six, right? If you get the tough head, you get Jason's tough head, you it, you have to lose them. Yeah. They don't break. Yeah. Like, you don't break them or bend them. You lose them. Yeah. They might skip through and skip off in the woods. But uh, some of the stuff I shoot is just not, I've got a grizzly with like 10 pigs in it. Yeah. 
I just keep sharpening the damn thing up. Did you see uh, Jason's new? He's he. I think it's like a it's a prototype, but he's getting he's trying to get a meathead down to like a hundred and sixty grains. And he posted one. Yeah, he, he posted one the other. Keep people happy. Yeah, yep. he posted one the other day that was like one seventy five, and it was yep. long and skinny. And, uh, 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 you know, uh, there's a lot of those, tra- you know, and it, granted glue on heads are typically more geared towards, uh, traditional guys, which turns into pointy hat crap for the compound guys. Yeah. Uh, well, man, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring direct bond to the compound forefront. I think, man, if you, if you're shooting, high energy setups and like you need, you need the durability there on the front end, man, it, it doesn't get any more bomb proof than a direct bond. No, but, I've shot a, I've shot two or three animals with a direct bond and it was, it did fine. Yeah. I haven't bent it or anything. Yeah. They're, they're pretty impressive. I hit the jawbone. I hit one pig in the jawbone on the opposite side and it didn't bend. So, you know, it's going to be okay. The hardest bone in the body is the mandibular process. I didn't break the mandibular process. I apologize. So, Forty-three pound bone. You know what are you gonna do? Is that the the di- project Dick Dick? Project Dick Dick. <laughs> tell, it's tell, actually becoming my favorite bone. Tell, tell us, tell us about Project Dick Dick because that's it's one of my like favorite series that you've you've done so far. So I've shot plenty of critters with standard setups, and Pamela's Pamela's a screaming bow. From what people tell me, they tell me it's a super high IBO, you know, flamethrower. Right. And um, I asked Expedition to just send me something boring and basic because I'm not a bow guy. I couldn't care less about tuning bows right. and matching my colors of strings. I could care. I wanted to shoot bear shafts fine. Anyway, I said, well, you know what? I've done that. Let's just take it to the next level. Let's go super heavy arrow and take all the velocity out of the game. So I've got a 43-pound diamond infinite edge okay shooting 685 grain arrows with a tough head on the front 43 pounds that's 685 so you're shooting yeah like over 15 grains per pound close to it yeah 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 i don't look at it that way so i'm sure i have a little different strategy i'm propelling a 27 percent foc arrow with a tool yeah but it's only going Oh hell, one fifty. Yeah, I was gonna say you're you're at traditional bow speeds. Right, yeah, it's, it's a sick bow with wheels. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I'm actually shooting at forty yards right now. It's actually super fun, and um, to watch it just go. Yeah, just locked in there. Yeah, yeah I've got a. Just I've locked got a, in there. I've got a really heavy. They're right around a thousand grain setup uh, for my for yeah, my for my compound, and yeah. uh, and I I went to a three D course uh, this couple months back and and shot them out to about fifty fifty five yards, and and I was so that was about about bottoming out everything. Uh, for I know for that. when you knock over the 3D target, it's hilarious. <laughs> it is pretty fun, but yeah, shooting shooting that at 50 plus yards and and you know <laughs> sitting at an angle where you're normally like, yeah, this would normally be a hundred yard shot, and uh, right. and watching it just loft in there is is a ton of fun. It's a blast. So I was my goal with Project Dictic was to help people with kids and women, yes. and short arms and yes. short people, yep. and I've actually had a couple of people who are just like five five. You know, they just don't. Yep going to be shooting 25 inch draw yep. it is what it yep. is well, right that's how eric is that's eric, eric's eric's got uh 
uh, you know, he's got a super short draw. I want to say he's 25 and a half, 26, maybe. Sure. Yeah. So I wanted to find out what would happen, which I already knew what was going to happen because yeah. I shot the stick bow long enough. Right. What would happen if he compounded one up? So I got a whisker biscuit, you know, on a kid bow. That thing's probably 28 inch, you know, 28 inches tall, maybe 30. It's a tiny little thing. Yeah. Yeah. And shortened up the draw length, 43 pounds, big mic tuned some arrows for me and I ran the tough head on the front and played around with it. So my goal was to say, okay, and I have a video on this that I think if you're going to, if you have a kid or short draw length, you just need to accept your limitations. Yes. It is what it is. Yep. Short shots, heavy arrows and a high penetration broadhead. Yep. A tough head, grizzly, something long and skinny. Yep. High mechanical advantage. Correct. And there's another element of that I'll discuss here in a second. So I did that. I got about a 180-pound board in front of me. He wasn't anything special. He wasn't even covered in mud. I don't know what the hell. He must have had a bath that day. <laughs> he was just leaving, <clears> he was just leaving the spa, Troy. He was just leaving yeah, the spa. Just and leaving you, the spa you ruined his got day. His nails done. <laughs> and um, he was... 15 yards away or whatever. It was everything I talked about in the previous setup. I put the pig in front of me. It's a test lab and said, if you were going to do this, you have 15 yards, you're in a tree stand, da, da, da. I aimed right in the shoulder. That's the only place you can kill a pig because their anatomy is way far forward and shot right in front of the heart and cut all the major arteries off and hit the mandibular process on the other side and brought it bounced off the mandibular process and the penetration doesn't look good because it hit the hardest one in the body. And bounced back. When he when he left, his ass was left. If you ever shoot a pig and he runs off and his butt is not tracking straight, he's dead. Really? Like, he's not going anywhere. Is it just because they're just, like, dragging it? Well, I don't know. They're just done, yeah. yeah. You've, you've got something pretty serious. Huh, interesting. So, he goes, I'm surprised he made it out of sight. He went about 70 yards. I was expecting him just the way he went and hit him. And his butt went sideways, and he was running off with his butt tracking sideways. I said, oh, you're done. Hmm. Right? His frame was bent. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went up there, and then I did a full autopsy in the video. And I severed all the major arteries coming out of his throat and his airway. And there was no better. Just the shot place was perfect. Right. Okay. It worked. But it didn't stop. It wouldn't have stopped if I didn't hit him in the jaw. It would have hit the dirt. Yeah. And I said, that's cool. So I, I've got it here with me. I'm at the test lab right now. Yeah. And I'm hunting in the morning. I'm going to hunt that big deer. I'm going to shoot that. If that big deer comes in, I'm shooting him with the freaking dick dick bow. That's incredible. It's, I got that much confidence in yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And so I'm going to step back to the long, skinny broadheads because a lot of people say, well, well, hell's phone. They're not wide enough to make a blood trail. Okay. First of all, one thing you need to consider, and we are seeing repeatedly from people I've talked to, is very short tracking jobs because those long, just put your, just hang in there with me, the long, skinny broadheads stay on pulmonary tissue and vital organs for a very long time. And they sever a lot of things going through. Hmm. So 
if you're a logical human being, you now think I'm insane <laughs> because a wide broadhead would also sever many things, but it'd be wider. Right. Gotcha. Except for blade damage, which I covered 20 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I lost a bunch of pigs because the blades themselves could not tolerate mud, hair, meat, bone, rib cage, five or six inches of th- stuff before it hit the pulmonary tissue. It's a spoon by the time it hits the lung. Right. The long, skinny broadheads are in an, in, at an angle where they are not flat or horizontal, or excuse me, it's perpendicular to the impact, and are not taking on a beating like a very wide short head does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the greatest weaknesses of the mechanicals. Yeah. Well, and it's, uh, it's I they got they got crappy steel. Yeah. And the blade angles are ridiculous. Yeah, well, that's that's the, the first issue is and the majority of the time. There's a couple out there that use decent steel, but not not many. But, <coughs> yeah, excuse me. Um, yeah, the, uh, the I feel like, and maybe I need to talk to an engineer about this, but I feel like the, the like exactly what you just said, the, sh- the more narrow profile, I believe, is going to lend a lot more durability uh and edge retention capability because you're not creating so much like torsional flex on the, on the, uh, on the bevel, like the, 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 well, I think it's a little, I think it's actually more linear. I think it's simpler than that. When you watch movies where people are fighting with swords, Mm -hmm. no one holds the sword in front of their body flat and runs at people and slams it into them. Right. Right. And that's what a mechanical broadhead does. They open up, they're pretty flat, and so the blade edge that's sharp is taking on damage because it's being slammed into bones and things, right. and it creates flat spots on it. Right. Should it drag across a whole rib, it could flatten the whole thing. Then when it hits pulmonary tissue and hits arteries, it's not going to cut them, it's a butter knife. Right. Yeah, that's that's the really, and I'll, I'll I'll give credit to Aaron and Cody who talked about it on uh, over on Kafarocast today. But you know, we've we've mentioned it a couple of times too. Is really there's there's two there there are two metrics that I have always really like based uh, a broadhead off of, like if if it was successful or not. Uh, did it survive? It, like going through the animal did it survive impact yes or no and yeah. you know it has to be yes for it for it to for it to move on to the next criteria and the next criteria is is it still sharp if it's not sharp then like i don't i know i don't know where that lack of sharpness occurred but like it may have been as dull as a butter knife the second it got through that first bit of hide and then like but what good is that to me it's not any good to me at all because it's just going to keep pushing things to the side instead of cutting them. Uh, I like, uh, um, right. So arteries, arteries are actually semi-muscular. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, because your arterial system actually contracts and expands based on what is required blood pressure wise, that's the only way it keeps your blood pressure consistent. Right. For uh, it's just a physiologic fact for all you people listening. I don't care what you think 
That is how it works. Well, fill in the people that are listening on why you may know a little bit about this, because I I know this about you, but not everyone knows about your your career uh, uh, beforehand. So one time I thought I was going to be a brilliant physician, and I'm a registered respiratory therapist, and I had a cadaver for six months. And I was studying how to keep people alive with holes in their chest. So reverse engineering how to kill things is pretty straightforward for me. So the arterial system is semi-muscular and designed to contract and expand to continue to keep your blood pressure consistent. Right. It happens in motors. It happens in – there's always an adjustment mechanism within any pressure system to keep the pressure consistent. Yep, yep. Cold, hot, blah, blah, blah. Plumbing's the same way. Yep. Arteries contract and expand. I like. Uh, so if a, sorry, go ahead. Yep. No, I'll, 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 if I'll a broadhead is dull, then they'll roll right across the top of it like a butterfly. Yep. So it, it may not be the most scientific of tests, but uh, um, I'm buddies with uh, two guys named uh, Steve Engel and Tom Jorgensen. They're uh, Steve is the full time host, and Tom's one of the the part time hosts over at Traditional Outdoors. And Tom has posted a video several times of. Uh, kind of how he tests his broadhead sharpness to make sure that it, you know, it's where he wants to be. And he kind of has this like box uh, and with like a bunch of nails in it. And, and he stretches rubber bands across it and then takes his arrow and shoves it through it with broadhead on it, obviously, and shoves it through. And it should cut all of the rubber bands because if it's pushing any of them to the side, then it's not sharp enough. Uh, and that's and, that's and that is a very I feel like and feel free to correct me. Uh, I feel like that is a very accurate representation of of uh, of how arteries react when when being impacted by an outside force and how muscular tissue reacts when being impacted by an outside force. If it can move, it's going to. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we these these animals have been surviving and adapting for millions of years there's like they they have uh they have uh adapted to uh to man and that's uh so let me let me let me address something that if there's any doubters and haters out there we're good i'm okay with that so the cardiac system and the pulmonary system are intertwined within the lungs and the heart i have a shot placement video on my channel I just put yeah, up in the last yeah, two weeks. Yeah. Discuss Great it, video, okay? by the way. Thank you. So if you're in, when the arrow goes through, let's just say you shoot them where you're supposed to, in the vital V, let's say it's right on the crease, right above the elbow, lower one third. If your broadhead is sharp enough to cut lung tissue, but not sharp enough to cut arterial tissue, you've cut your killing effectiveness in half. Sure, yeah. And you might say, well, you know, still going to kill them. Okay, I get it. It might. But you need to be thinking differently. You need to be thinking, I need to do as much damage as humanly possible and set myself up for all things to be severed. Because I'm sorry, an arrow is not a really effective penetration mechanism. Buy a gun. Yep. They just destroy things. Yep. Buy a gun, get you a little core locked, get you a 30 off six with a 180 grand core locked, and it causes some big problems. Oh, yeah. So you have 
this arrow going through things and you need to plan for you need to plan for holy crap not perfect right yep that's one of one of doc's favorites quotes that i i always i always look back to plan for when things don't go right yep and or don't go just don't go yeah so i'll be the first person to admit when everything goes right to about 80 85 percent mechanical broadheads are kick ass yep oh yeah when when they work i've done it i've done it a lot yep however that little 15% of weirdness is another 85% of failure. Yep. And that was my experience. When things went well, I'm ta- I, we had trees sprayed with blood, places where pigs had spun, and there was blood on everything. I mean, it was fan-freaking-tastic. And then we had a lot of sadness and burned out a lot of batteries. Yep. Searching and searching. Yep. And the only change I made was going to a full Ashby system. And I'm going to have, I've got a bunch of, you know this, but I have a study up. So I've taken in 419 kills to date from anyone who would be willing to send me information. Right. From the general public. Yeah. It's probably weighted towards success more than the truth. I have an eighty-three percent success rate. Yeah, I don't think are, that's accurate. People, I don't think oh, that's accurate at all. Yeah, well, based on uh, the numbers that Rob Nielsen gave us, I would say that's that's quite quite far off. That's okay. What I've done with that is, and we've discussed earlier that I'm a strange individual and I like weird puzzles. I've started studying the losses and not the successes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They are very, the losses are very interesting and things start to come out of it that are interesting. So I'm going to, I'm actually going to try to publish a white paper, a video white paper That'll on, be neat. on my graphs. Yeah. Here. Yeah. And uh, what's, the, what's the saying? The saying is uh, the ma- the master has failed more times than the beginner has ever tried or something That's like correct. that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So. And if you haven't failed a lot, and I have failed a ton. I must be the only person on earth willing to admit that. But I have to admit that I've shot a lot of. I mean, I could kill. I killed fifty six pigs one year. Right. So it's just I'm lucky, and I have a lot of energy, and I'm weird. So <laughs> I'll go with it. So uh, right now, one of your big uh, uh, series that you've got uh, that you're focusing on with YouTube is uh, is your fairy dusters. Uh, so, uh, fill us in, fill us in a little bit about that and, and maybe, maybe get some of our listeners in on that. That's part of my cheesy marketing side. So I started to think, I was like, what's different? You know, I mean, you need to stick out. What's, what are people not doing? Right. And there's a lot of people out there, there's guys who have their own TV show and it's all about them. Fine. I get that. Yeah. There's a crap load of YouTube channels of people doing stuff. They got their team or they got their friends or lives, a ton of solo guys. And I said, hmm, I'm trying to introduce something that's counterculture, for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah. Right? Outside the dorm. It's as counterculture as it can get in the archery industry. Correct. And 
what would be what would be impactful? And one of my friends was here, my buddy Chris, who's addicted to the Hornet. He's a hell of a freaking hunter. And he said, you know what you need to do? You need to post, start posting and doing videos about the people who've done what you've done. I'm just sitting here at the test lab. I'm sitting six feet from where he said that to me. And I went, that is a great idea. Like, find people. I get pictures all the time. Broken humeruses, women shooting, shooting through deer with 32 pounds. Right. Crazy stuff. So I started doing fairy duster stuff, and it just took off. I've got, I'm getting stuff in all the time. I want to be a fairy duster. So a fairy <laughs> duster is a person who, who jumped off the rails, left everybody behind, and try, and did this crazy you know ranch fairy strategy. FOC above 20%, preferably your arrows are over 550. Yeah. What happened? And two or three things are sticking out. One of the things that's interesting that I did not predict is the animals aren't running. Yeah. Oh, well, I, okay. We can talk more about that in a bit, but I'm, I'm not surprised. I saw it. Okay. I saw it. The broadheads are very sharp. The steel is off the charts. Good. The broad, the arrows are so freaking efficient. I just didn't connect the dots. I got used to stuff running 40 yards. Right. It just, yeah. I mean, you shoot them in the vital V and they run 40 yards. Why is there no blood trail? Well, because they didn't have time. Right. They're dead. They're yeah. right there. Yeah. Why do I care? Yeah. That's one of the most common things that's coming up. And the second is how many people say, I can't believe it just went right through them. Which means they've seen crap loads of video of crappy penetration. Yep. And then their own experience was maybe out the other side and a, and a three hour tracking job. Yep. The only reason there's a three hour tracking job on a shot anywhere within three inches of the crease and mid body is the broadheads damage. Yeah. Yeah. There's no other explanation. Yeah. And for that, uh, uh well, I mean, broadhead could, it could be damage. I mean, it, it could also be a, a component failure, but I mean, with, with typically with how you're, you're helping, helping people get set up and the kind of stuff that you recommend, I know component failure isn't, uh, isn't terribly common. Obviously no, I don't can, have, can, I don't have a lot of, I have people shoot rocks and shoot trees yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and break their arrows. Okay. Yeah. Is the deer dead? Well, yeah, it went 40 yards, but I broke my arrow. I don't care. Yeah. Sounds like it worked. <laughs> Sounds like a good problem to have, but the most interesting, I've got four fairy dusters up. I got three women on one. I call it the three queens. <laughs> and I got one called the high FOC kid. So one of my, one of my subscribers, Stephen Autry is a great guy. He's a sick bow guy and his kid wanted to bow hunt. And where he bow hunts, I think 30 pounds is legal. Right. His son has a 21 inch draw length. He's pulling like 32 pounds, 35 pounds, 38. I don't remember. It's not 40. It doesn't matter. His dad teed up a 398 grain arrow with a 250 grain point. Lord the FOC was 33%. That's awesome. Zwicky Eskimo. Okay. Dr. Ashby's always told us, he read in his writings and he said it to me, 
if we could find a way, he said, once I figured out how to get a 33, 30 plus percent arrow, 30 percent FOC plus. Yeah, everything went haywire. Like, it, it just was the next, next level of the next level. Yeah. And it didn't matter. And he didn't have the components to keep testing before he got hurt. Right. So we're going to take that on with the Ashby Foundation, and we're going to try to do that. Yeah. Because the components don't really exist, but we can make it happen. Yeah. We can put a bunch of inserts and crap and make it oh, happen. Oh, we can. So anyway, this kid's running. We'll make it happen. I have no doubt. <laughs> right. This guy's running. This kid's running 389 grains or something like that at 33%, and he shoots through a deer at 18 yards. Like his dad said, it was like he wasn't there. Right. Deer runs eighty yards and fall over dead. And then I get these fair other fairy dusters in from women who have twenty five, twenty six inch draw lengths, and they're pulling forty two pounds. They're running one hundred grains of brass. They're running the stinger up front, and they're shooting. One girl, one gal killed about a hundred and forty inch deer at like sixteen yards, and the broad it just went zoop. Just, yeah, boop, and the deer well, like, couldn't run off. I'd, I'd imagine and another big thing that uh, I think multiple people have talked about. You, including, uh, well, actually, I know you did uh, because you just had a video on arrow paradox or on impact paradox. Is you know yep. when you've got an arrow that's that short, you're basically shooting a crossbow bolt, and, an and that thing is it, it's going to be stiff 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 on impact and yes and yep. so the the amount of vibration that's and that that one demonstration that i'm i'm sure you've watched that uh uh doc did at the uh pope and young foundation uh yep. where where he did the uh foc and the vibration test where he let it fall down through the uh that wooden dowel fall down through yeah, the we've hole. got that we've got that tool we're gonna yeah. just keep doing that yeah, that that's like one of my favorite favorite things, and, I, and I've I've you know talked about it with a couple other you know smart people in in these circles. I'm like, man, I really think like if two arrows are like otherwise identical, I think the one that's got the stiffer spine is always going to outperform, and uh, and or the one that is just stiffer in general, I guess at that point. You know, so the- actually, there's another level of that that is not being talked about enough, and we're going to keep talking about it. When you overwhelm the arrow with point weight, right, it turns into a 300 grain bullet pulling tail. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, to the, those of y'all listening, I'm talking about shooting a three or four. I, I'm running a 420 grain insert and point combination just to go ahead and blow your damn mind right there. Isn't it fun when you like pull up to the range? Well, I get you may I don't know if you go to many public ranges, but I love going to public ranges and being like, yeah, the front of my arrow weighs more than your entire arrow. I just hand I let somebody pull my arrows. (laughs) And they have a freaking panic attack right there. (laughs) Like, what the hell is that? I'm like, I don't know, freaking arrow. Somebody gave it to me. You know, oh, <laughs> some idiot, yeah, some jackass. I don't even know who he is. He gave him to me. That's you right. Know? So when you get that, it seems to happen. Doctor Ashby, I think, identified it about nineteen percent FOC. I call it twenty. Yeah, it's yeah. easier on people, but about twenty percent FOC, which is uh, you need a hundred grains of brass and probably a hundred and fifty grains of point weight. Yeah, somewhere in there with a normal arrow. Yeah, two hundred really gets you there. The point pulls the shaft, and at impact, the point is pushing into the tissue. 
When you shoot a system like everybody else is shooting, the arrow is physically pushing the broadhead. Right. And for a very simple example, if any of you people have ever hit a nail with a hammer, sometimes they don't go straight. Yep. That's the simplest example I can give you. Yep. No, so I, when the arrow is very is when the point is very light, the arrow hits and is trying to push. And if it's a little cattywampus, or heaven forbid, the animal's moving, which is about ninety five percent of the time. Yeah, which is most of the time. The tail kicks. The tail kicks, and it can't go forward. Yep, I've seen it. Yep. Well, you're you're effectively trying to you're effectively trying to push the arrow through broadside at that point, right? And that's not that's not going to work. Uh, uh, so yeah. Well, so if the, if the, if the, if the arrow levers more than the width of the broadhead, it's dragging. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have a nine inch wide broadhead, you're good. <laughs> you can do whatever. Right. It's just not, it's got a tough time with what it hits. There's going to be a lot of stuff in the way. To be a little erratic about it, you know, a normal broadhead's an inch and an eighth wide. Let's say you got a four blades, you got a hole. Yeah. Let's call that hole a, a square hole. Like a hole saw hole. Right. Let's say it's wide open. If that animal's ducking at impact and that the tail of your 28 inch arrow goes up more than two inches, it's dragging on the tissue. Yeah. And it's redirecting. Things you have to think about. It, it, it totally explains why you, the penetration you see on videos. Yeah, it just—it's a fact. I, I, you, whoever's listening, you can be upset. It's just I've caught it on video. Go to my impact paradox video on my channel and watch the arrow hit a freaking pig moving that's alive. The knock does a complete circle, right, in the air. It's halfway. Well, it's hell. That arrow's probably not. I bet it's I bet it's in five inches of penetration and the knock does a complete circle that's probably half the size of your palm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember and it wasn't a terribly big hog either, right? Well that's two twenty. Oh, oh he was over two hundred? Okay, he's he's a good he size. Look, All right. No, he doesn't look very big. He had a big old ass on it. <laughs> <laughs> when he ran away from me, I was like, wait a second. That pig's got a big butt. I don't know what the hell's wrong with that guy. He's been eating too much. So it's uh he was bigger than he looked, but he was two twenty, but doesn't matter. Yeah. The fact that he was on the move, rolled away a little bit, and then when it hits him, you see it do this donut. But that was a six hundred grain broadhead. That shaft was nine eighty five, something like that. And it, it kinda it just keeps going through him. Oh, you shot him with the bishop? With the bishop six hundred, yeah. yeah. I don't know anybody else has killed anything with the bishop six hundred on video. I don't either. I'm assuming guys. I'm shot. assuming guys use it in Africa, but I haven't. I haven't seen any videos of that. So that broadhead is so kick ass. Yeah, it's. I a, mean, it's just it's fun it's tank. to have it on the front of your arrow. Do you? I know he's he's posted one picture of it, but I'm not. Have you seen Jason's new big broadhead? Like his big oh. big one. Oh, we'll talk about it after we stop recording. I don't. I don't know like how public he is with it, but it's uh, it's sweet. It's okay. It's a I need thick. to tell, I need to I need to holler at Jason. I haven't sent him. I'll kill something with it if he sends it to me. I'll, yeah, not a problem. Oh, it's a, a it's a thick boy. It's a thick thick boy. Uh, I like it, it. Yeah, I'm I'm really into it. Uh, so uh, 
what if somebody's like if somebody's watching your channel i'm trying to like uh like crunch this all into i mean feel free to expand on it but if if you could tell if if you send somebody to your channel and you're going to tell them one thing what would uh that you want them to take away from from watching your your content what would it be i'm trying to help you set up the most effective system in every situation i like that that's what i want you to take away from the channel i need you to i need you to get over i say some crazy crap and i laugh a lot and i say crazy crap Okay, that aside, once you get past the idiot in the tinfoil hat, (laughs) I need you to pay attention that I'm really trying to help you. I'm not measuring peckers here. Right. I couldn't care less if you want to shoot a 395 grain arrow and you kill nine elk. Okay, I just, I haven't had that experience. Sure, right. And I want you to shoot the most effective thing you can for all situations because I get a ton of emails a year and they never say I shot a 60 pound doe and I'm sad. Yeah. They say I lost the biggest deer I've ever seen. Yep. And I don't know if that's a 110 inch deer or 210 inch deer. Right. It doesn't matter. The hunter's perspective is that he lost the biggest thing he's ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really trying to help the whitetail guys. It's one of the things I've gotten past it finally. People sort of figure it out. I shoot the pigs because they're way more durable than a deer. Yeah. So if if it can take care of a deer. Yeah. They're right in front of me. Yeah. And I can test. And I want you to have the most effective thing in your hands for all situations. Yeah. 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 That's the... uh, Man, if uh, yeah, I kind kind of going back to what we mentioned, you know, at the very beginning, you know, if it can if it can go through, you know, a hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred pounds, man, two hundred pound, if it can go through a two hundred pound pig, there isn't a white tail on the planet that you'll likely have to worry about. Well, what you can, what you should equate that to is when you've, I've been fortunate, I've been able to kill a bunch of big ones on video and get the shots on video and do the autopsies and all that jazz right right what that tells you is when your deer jumps the string and he jumps you hard you will break him and he will go down right there right if he doesn't jump the string and you shoot him right through the freaking chest he's not going anywhere right but you're not you're not planned for that i mean i got multiple people who and i talked to the hunting public guys about this uh I talked to Zach and Jake about this. I said, for what y'all do, so any of you guys that are hunting in public land or you're hunting moving animals, you know, no bait, right? can't bait, your shot angles are, are what you get. Yep. Yep. I can sit there over my damn deer feet and wait for the thing to quarter away and zap it. Right. Right. And I'm cheating. I'll admit that. I don't care. Yep. But for you guys who have, you, you go, you walk in half of three quarters of a mile, climb up in a saddle in the dark and hang off a damn tree. When they come by, they come by. Yeah. You one shot. You get whatever they give you. Yep. Why would you not be shooting a 600 gram arrow with a single bevel? That's the highest potential system to shatter things when you can't control what you're going to get. Yeah. 
Not to not to mention that, in my humble opinion, when you start shooting heavier stuff, and and this is something that uh, uh, Cody Greenwood actually, I, I hope I'm not interpreting this this incorrectly, but he um, he he just concluded a while back a big silencer study, and and I want I kind of wanted this to segue into the next part of our discussion here. Uh, he completed a silencer study where he he did a whole bunch of stuff to try and quiet down his bow and he effectively found that a heavier arrow and and this is on a traditional you know so that's a it's a little bit different because guys put all sorts of crazy stuff on their strings to quiet it down uh but -hmm. effectively he found that if you put that same amount of weight in the arrow it quiets it down more and uh and once again, I hope I'm not misinterpreting that. But point being, you can control the shot. And, and this is where what I was getting to is I feel like you can control the shot a lot better if you're shooting heavier arrows because the animal doesn't hear it nearly as it's not a startling noise. Uh, um, you know, it's not uh, uh, a crack. I mean, there, there obviously still is a noise, but it's it's more of a thump, I guess you could say. Um, mm-hmm. But I wanted to talk to you because you posted this the other day and I, I will have, you know, after you text me, I spent the last half of my day. I hope Microsoft isn't listening to this, uh, not working and reading (laughs) and reading about, uh, uh, turbulence and, uh, Oh, uh, six flesh. Yeah. Yeah, That freaked you out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So for those, uh, um, who may not have seen it, uh, Troy apparently has found, the 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 magic method uh for getting arrows quiet quiet uh after they leave the bow and apparently this is a six fletch uh which makes me rethink of the i was planning on doing a micro setup this year for giggles but can't get six fletches on a micro uh so i might have to go back to a back to a bigger shaft but uh um i am I am curious to if if you have anything to to say to it. I guess I'm, I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but no, my subscribers, and we've developed a great friendship. And he is the cat, the wizard. He tests crap no one should test, and he's got more books on crap. And he's I just when I don't know something, I call him. And he's like, oh yeah, I did that. Right. Yeah, I, I shot my bow through a chronograph at a hundred yards to see what the speed erosion was. Right. Of course. Right? Who doesn't do that? Well, everybody <laughs> doesn't do that, Mike. So we did a video. We were trying to figure out if heavier arrows made less noise, and we messed around with the stealth veins, which aren't that quiet, by the way. Stealth veins, blah, blah, blah. Right. Here's the fact. The current atmosphere at sea level is under 14.7 PSI. You are currently shooting through fog. Right. It's not... You can't defeat it unless you're in a vacuum. And the problem within a vacuum is you can't breathe and you die. So you're not going to ever shoot your bow and arrow. Right. (laughs) Okay. So we've established that. So you're constantly shooting through molecules that are under pressure. And when you shoot your bow through the pressure, the arrow whistles and makes noise because it's moving things out of the way. All the space is taken by molecules of mostly nitrogen, and when your arrow goes through it, it displaces the molecules and makes noise. It's a fact. Mm-hmm. They will, you will never beat it. Yeah, that's just it's what the deer sound, in yeah. them hear. It's acoustics, right? Is the huh? Is the zzz sound right. of the arrow coming? Right. 
we thought that a slower arrow would be quieter, and we found it to not be substantially quieter. Okay. Secondarily, to a deer who's been chased by God knows what all of its life. Right, exactly. Including starting with birds of prey when it was very little. Right. Thinks it's, you might as well scream at it. Right. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm right, in, my, in my head right now, imagining yeah. you, you screaming at the deer. Screaming just, at them, <laughs> correct. Right. So we're taking that at a human level where we're pretty calm. Right. We don't, nothing comes at us like that. We don't get shot at. Nothing really chases us. We don't live like that. They do every day, every night, right now. It's 9.32 Central Standard Time, and my deer are in the right. dark. And the coyotes are, the coyotes are afoot. Right. Okay? So, what was interesting was, when we tested it and shot just by a phone or whatever, Six Fletch was the quietest thing we found. And there's apparently a small contingency of weird people out there who shoot Six Fletch. They... They're very, very, very stable, which is not surprising. Right. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of flesh on the back of the air. At long range, they are very yep. accurate, and they're the quietest thing Mike has found. And you can't six flesh feathers. This sounds like a damn seven forty seven. It's just right. loud, right. but six flesh small veins, you know, fusion QTI fusions or small, small stealths or whatever. The turbulence gets broken up. Some guy sent me something, and I read it, and my brain almost exploded. So I just like, yeah, okay, great. I, I know it's quieter. Right. Love <laughs> you, bud. So that has proven to be the quietest thing. We were trying to find out how to quiet down the whole system. And what we heard was we heard a, an audible thump as the bow goes off, and then here comes zzzz. So I think the sound of your bow tips them off. I don't know that it's real scary to them. Right. Because I've actually dumb enough to sit up in a tree stand and clap my hands. I've shot arrows in the opposite direction of the deer. Right. And they don't jump the, they don't jump the string. Huh. Interesting. Huh. When they only heard that bow noise, they didn't jump the string. Interesting. But I'm a weird guy. I'm going to, like, I'll have you know that, like, the first thing I did was go downstairs, see if I had enough to do. Uh, I, I have I have six arrows that are going to be here tomorrow that I'm I'm testing and reviewing for a, a new arrow manufacturer. And I, I texted okay. him and I was like, I'm going to do these in six fletch. And he was like, uh, okay. And uh, uh, so the first after I read that and then after you text me, I ran downstairs to see if I had uh, enough to do six of them in, uh, in my pro maxes. And I've got I've got just enough. It's going to be a, a hodgepodge of colors, but uh, it'll yeah, right. <laughs> it'll get it done. It'll get it done. Who would want it? Any of that's way? right. Yeah. It's, it's going to look like a clown car coming uh, coming their way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pumped for it. You know, but it's uh, it, you'll, you'll you'll like it. I mean, it's we're we're wondering what will happen when the fletch hits the hits the side of the yeah. Animal. There there is there you is, know, there is that to there. consider. There is that to consider. Uh, you know, I think, uh, and that's I've I've heard a lot of people make the argument for feathers just for that reason because they'll. I mean, they you know 
a lot of these guys will get penetration and, you know, if they slow it down on video and you can see like the arrow is cooking along there just fine. And the second it hits that, like that stiff, hard fletching, it's just like, nope, not going anywhere. So it definitely is something to consider. But if you if you're putting 28 inches of arrow into an animal, you're probably going to be fine. So, yeah, Yeah. that's that would be my argument. The other direction would be don't worry about it. It's uh, once you've penetrated that far, um, you're going to be fine. And there's other there's other factors that are much greater than worrying about your fletching that you're flinging upon animals that we need to talk about just go to my channel well i'll help you over the hall yeah yeah absolutely so uh originally we thought we might be able to get to um hook up at dallas safari club we're heading down there here in about a month uh but you will not be there uh you are as we have we've talked a little bit uh, uh you've mentioned doc a couple times you've mentioned the foundation a couple times uh you are going to be heading to ata uh, to hang out with uh, with Mike Som out down at the Magnus booth and to uh, be piddling around down there because you are now affiliated with the Ashby Bow Hunting Bow Hunting Foundation. Is that that's right? Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm one of the board members on the Ashby Bow Hunting Foundation. I'm a full participant in the seminars we give on the twelve. You know, the penetration enhancing factors. We've got some killer stuff we do for presentations and seminars, videos of people shooting fully through Cape Buffalo and and deer jumping the string and, you know, stuff exploding, <laughs> things <laughs> like that. So, yeah, I'll be at ATA. I'll be with my, you know, with Mike Zom has been generous enough to let me in, come in and represent his product there, Magnus Broadheads. Right. I'll, of course, go by, see Aaron at the EZV site and do a few podcasts here and there and uh, visit a bunch of people. I'm, it's going to be, it should be a good show. Yeah, For me, yeah. I mean, anyway, from a totally selfish standpoint, I think I got enough traction now that people actually know who the hell I am. I went two years ago and people just looked at me like I was a Martian, which is pretty normal anyway. <laughs> so That's awesome. That's awesome. I'll be yeah. representing the foundation and um, we're getting ready to get going on doing some testing. We've secured a place to get to, cap- to catch pigs and and do some of the testing like Dr. Ashby did. And uh, and basically break a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to take up where one of the cool things about hanging out with Dr. Ashby is he doesn't think the study's over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I know. I mean, I've, I've got 800 questions, Troy. So y'all need to take it to the next level. I've got a whole list of stuff. And so we're going to start testing that. And then on top of that. We need to find a way to capture a ton of live shot data to compare it to the fixed animal testing data to really find out what's going on. And that's why I started my database. But, right, but right. back to the to the foundation stuff, we're going to start. We take we're going to start. T- you know, taking the we're a five hundred three C, you know, nonprofit. Yeah, we we'll start taking donations from clubs and individuals and whoever wants to help us continue to so basically our goal is to we're going to be that we're the top uh research organization only studying arrow lethality you notice i didn't say bow lethality we don't really right. care what's pushing the arrow right we want the arrow to be effective yep and secondarily to be real honest we're going to probably publish stuff that's going to keep the sport alive 
Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, so far, I mean, the foundation, uh, uh, you know, re- recently uh, for I, I, we've talked about before, but the foundation recently got bow hunting legalized in Russia, uh, which right. is which is huge, uh, uh, like physically. And I mean, just, you know, uh, in every sense of the word, like that's a it's a really big deal. Um, because there, for those who don't know, there is incredible, like imagine Alaska. That's what, like, but nobody's what, hunted there in 20 but, years. Exactly. Exactly. And v- oh, because, they say the moose opportunities, they're probably going to pull the world record out of there in the next couple of years. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. That and the bears, the bears, there are freaking gigantic. Uh, yeah, right. so, uh, yeah, they've got, so it's like Alaska, but no one's been able to hunt there because contrary to popular belief, uh, not only could you not bow hunt there, but owning a firearm in Russia is actually yeah, extremely, it's, bit, it's yeah. extremely difficult to do. So not many people yes. get to hunt with rifles. There. It's politically incorrect. Right, right. So, uh, so there's going to be some, I have a feeling there's going to be some slobber knockers coming out of Russia, uh, in, particularly in the, in the moose and the bear category. But, uh, well, that's one of the things that I love about hanging out with Dr. Ashby is you read the message boards and you hear people talk about Dr. Ashby. They have no idea what they're talking about. Oh yeah. Dr. Yeah. Ashby is one of the most humble people you'll ever meet. Yeah. And he doesn't think the study's done, which I've covered, but one thing he never talks about his Natal study and the reason why it started was because they were trying to figure out if bow and arrows could kill things in Africa. Right, right. And his study legalized bow hunting in multiple countries in Africa because yeah. of that study. And yep. he doesn't talk about it. Yep. He killed two rhinoceroses with a bow and arrow when you couldn't do it. Yeah. He wrote to the government and they let they said, okay, fine. You think you can do this? You go fling one at them. Right. Right? Yep. It's just a fascinating thing. He is not arrogant. He is just the best guy. Oh, he's, he's and an, an people incredible man. Make it, they paint him like he's this blowhard dude who's just trying to prove something. And his study legalized some of the people who say that about him got to go to Africa hunting. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. of that study. Yep. Yep, and, he, and he would never, he would never tell them, "Yeah, you're an asshole. I'm the reason you got to go." He would never say that, right? Ever. And he's the reason. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, he's I am, just a wealth of information. God, oh yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, I am uh, uh, counting down the days until I can. Uh, uh, pour some scotch and sit down with doc and have uh have some good some good long chats uh no no he's great yeah Man, he's, he's got a he's got a 500 circe side by side sitting in his house Ooh, hello that is um it's war no, the, it's in perfect condition it's clean but it's worn perfectly so yeah. you can see where the the trackers carried it so in africa the Trackers carry the guns over their shoulders and they hold them by the muzzle. Yeah, yeah. And the bluing's worn off there, and it's worn off under the action. Where where the sh- talking, where it'd be on your shoulder? Yeah. No, where you'd be carrying it in your hands. So oh, gotcha. The, the trackers would be carrying it on their shoulder and holding the muzzle, and it's worn off. It's not. It's just the bluing's worn off. It's not. Doesn't look terrible. You right. just see it if you know what you're looking at. Right. And then the action from carrying it in hunting situations is blood, sweat, and tears. Chewed the bluing off, but the guns in 
It's beautiful. It's in pristine condition. So it doesn't look like hell. But if you know what you're looking at, you can just see the bluing is from being carried endlessly. Right. For 20 years or whatever. Yeah. Oh, such a cool gun. Yeah. They say pull the rear trigger first or something. I can't remember which one to pull first. <laughs> double the double barrel. Yeah. They're, uh, I didn't shoot it. Yeah. Oh, I just, uh, was play- I got to see it. And it's a beautiful weapon. Yeah. So. I got to, I got to hang out. Uh, I, I used to work, uh, at, in the gun library at Cabela's. So I got to, got to, nice. got to see some of those cool, you know, African, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, safari calibers come through and, uh, and half the times I felt, I, I, I hope Cabela's doesn't listen to that. It's not like they can do anything. I don't work there anymore, but, uh, you know, we, I'd have guys bring in side by sides and, you know, Cabela's sent to make money. So they'd offer them pennies and I, I'd be like, man, like you have, you have a really rare and like a cool gun here like you yeah you got a you got a twenty seven thousand yeah, dollar rifle yeah. and they give it eight grand for yep. it yeah oh uh, cabela's <laughs> would scoff at giving somebody that kind of money even even if it really was a thirty thousand dollar rifle uh um hmm. yeah i mean and don't get me wrong if you know what you have and it's something like that, then they'll play ball. But, uh, but I, I had old, old, you know, a bunch of old timers come in there. They, you know, their, their grandpas <laughs> went over there after the, uh, you know, uh, after the war, uh, and be like, yeah, like, uh, you know, my, my, my grandpa went to Africa and like, he came back with this gun. I don't know what it is. Like I've, I don't, I don't even have bullets big enough for it. And, Look on the yeah, side, right. and you know it says you know fo- you know four sixteen Rigby or something like that. And it's like oh okay, like yeah, this is uh, this is big stuff, Hoss. Like this ain't uh, this isn't this isn't your thirty out six. Isn't oh, what you're buying off the shelf sales. over here? It can't be a high sales deal though. Oh no, you know, yeah, you've got to have the right guy to walk you in. Don't and sell buy many it. of them. Yeah. Oh, for sure, yeah. for sure. But it happened. It happened. Guys bringing in exotic calibers happened more than you think. It was it was uh it was bizarre, but it was. You know, the the guys getting on the upper end of the uh, boomer generation where it was their fathers that picked it up for, a, you know, for a good price a long time ago. And they were still yeah. still really uh, affordable back then. And now they're just astronomical. So uh, oh, they're fantastic. Yeah, super cool. So, so uh, where uh, what's the uh, I, already, I already know, but what's the what's the name of your YouTube channel for people to go check you out? So that's an interesting story. I am the ranch manager here at the test lab. And I run the ranch for the family. And so I started calling myself the ranch fairy about 10 years ago, just as a joke. <laughs> right. Fix the toilet, you know, fix the AC, keep the scooter running. But God forbid the deer feeders, make sure there's a deer in front of me. Why doesn't my gun shoot straight? I just, it's really a passion. I'm really pretty good at it and I have a heart for people. So I just naturally right. took over. I started calling myself the ranch fairy when I started the channel the Ranch Fairy channel, which is the hint there. You might just type in Ranch Fairy on Google. I found out that there wasn't a Ranch Fairy. I typed it in there and there was nothing. Yep. So in Google and in any of the search engines and stuff, you're yep. either unique or you have a crap load of subscribers. Or you're everybody. Yep. Or you're Bowhunter7427 badass boy. Yeah, yeah. And you get lost in the shuffle. That's not, it's nothing against you guys. It's just, that's the way the analytics work. Yep, yep. And I said, okay, if I'm going to start a channel, I already call myself a ranch fairy. I don't really care what people think. Never really have. My wife (laughs) says it's a gift. And um, 
I said, well, I'm not a very smart individual on the computer side, but if there isn't anyone named the Ranch Fairy, I'm going with it. Yeah. So it's how you, it's I, how you win at SEO, man. You just right. take something that no one else has and go with it. That's correct. So, yep. or, you, or you're so good, people figure out what your name is. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's there's some kids on fishing. There's that one John B kid. He's got like a million subscribers. What the hell's John B? Right. I mean, yeah. but yeah. it just takes off. So you right. either got that. You either got you either get run or you're unique. Yeah. And so I chose the other one because I was I. I have Instagram and stuff, and I get on there some, and I understand I need to do it, but I prefer just not to have it. But it's just the necessity necessary evil. So if you're gonna find me, the Ranch Fairy's fine. I'm on, I'm on Instagram under the Ranch Fairy, and then somehow Ray Ranch, which is the name of the official name of the ranch here, and the Ranch Fairy got tangled up in Facebook. So I'm the Ray Ranch Fairy on Facebook. I'm not unraveling. Sorry, I'm 50 years old, <laughs> and I have I have a lot of personal, you know, I have self confidence. So I couldn't give a crap. Right. So W R A Y Ranch Fairy on there but it's easier just google ranch fairy and you'll see my grin and ass immediately <laughs> there's yeah. no one else no yeah, one you- in bow hunting is going to do that nobody yeah. in fishing is going to go moderately transgender gay guy who thinks he's a bow hunter <laughs> except for me except you so, only, only you troy only you only me oh man well, Troy, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I know we've we've been trying to hook up for a while, and we keep uh, keep crossing crossing paths, and we couldn't couldn't yeah. make it work. But I'm glad we got this to whole today. adulthood gets in the way. Being right? adult and having right. children and cra- my one of my kids crashed a car. It's really been great. So yeah, no, oh, it's 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 fine. I'm mm-hmm. glad we got to get together, and uh, and this will probably be one of many, to be honest, because of your involvement with ABF now and us helping them out with some of their uh, some of their media stuff, and uh, and I'm going to be. We have a. Uh, I have quite the agenda to talk with uh, with Rob about down at DSC. So I hope uh, I hope Rob is uh, bringing some quality uh, some quality bourbon to to sit down and and hang out because I am uh, I'm going to talk his ear off for quite a bit and then uh, yeah gonna, you I'm won't gonna, have any trouble with that yeah I'm going to be fine they're going to do a full seminar there I think or they got an hour yeah. and a half or two hours uh, they've got a while so down at DSC we are going we're going to be in the Grizzly Stick booth but we're going to be there recording for Grizzly Stick the uh, the the PHs that they're teaming up with. Uh, and the ABF, it'll all be like a giant collaboration. And then uh, the Aerolethality seminar, we're going like full bore multimedia on it. We're we're setting up like professional recording. We're doing like four Good. video video angles. It's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be sweet. So uh, we're, that's the only part I wish I was there for because I do enjoy presenting and be in front of the camera. I'm pretty easy. I just find it to be natural. I've always been able to be in front of a crowd and just do it, but. Somebody had to go to ATA, and that's yeah. where I'm gonna just. Yeah. It has to be done. Yeah. So well, he'll, hopefully, he'll do fine. Yeah. Rob's gonna do great. Yeah. Oh, he'll be he'll be fine. Hopefully, I'm like fingers crossed, praying next year they are not the same weekend again. Uh, so we will we will see. Because I was we are, wondering what Shockey's gonna do. Dallas yeah. Safari Club is one of his big you know contributors, and yep. then yep, and then he he was at ATA last. So uh, it'll be interesting if I see him at ATA, but. I think he wants to be. If I was, I don't know. It was, it was oh, his plan, but it seems oh, like that was far club. Seems like a better place to be. Man, well, apparently last year we went to DSC two years ago, and apparently last year DSC was insane. Like 
Garrett uh, Schlieff was saying that like you couldn't walk down the aisles. They were so no packed. kidding. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, apparently DSC is like turning into like the one to go to. Uh, and, Good. and I'm telling if, if people are, or can get, can get there, I'm telling you the taxidermy alone in that place is worth the price of admission. I promise. Uh, it is. Oh, it's, hell getting to bid on safaris for $1,500 is worth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a zillion bucks. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a blast. It's a, it's a ton of fun. So we can't wait to get down there and, uh, and, uh, do our, do our thing with the ABF and then load you guys up with some, some work and some content and let you do your thing. So, um, It'll be fun. yeah, pumped. Well, thanks again, Troy, for, uh, coming on. Uh, like I said, hopefully the first of many and, uh, uh, thanks for everyone for tuning in. And if you're still here, I appreciate the support. Uh, until next time, stay lethal and don't forget the olive oil. <laughs>